It's another week of the Super Empty Show. We're here, week 14. It's a celebration every week, and we have a full team. We even have the Rundown team is here today. Mandy's in the building, and we just did a very cool interview with G. Yamazawa. We're very happy to show you. We just saw him last night. What did you think, Justin? Uh, I think that you didn't introduce me with the Rundown team, but you only said Mandy, so I'm a little irritated Ooh. right now. Oh but, my God! Please don't hold your takes hostage just because I did. That. Let it be known. No, I thought that show was amazing. The, the style of rapping from all the people that performed, G included, uh, is so like up my alley. Year of the Ox was fantastic. I thought their set was. Yeah. Uh, was I didn't fully introduce that correctly. So the show was a dumbfounded tour that has been doing a bunch of West Coast dates. He's the headliner. He put it on independently, and it's been not exclusively, but a lot of Asian acts on the bill. And they had a show. G has our friend G Yamazawa from Durham has been on a few of the West Coast dates, um, and he was added or put onto this Chapel Hill one as a local support. But yes, that was awesome. Also, I was going to say to G when we did the interview, Year of the Ox sounded not to diss them, but they sounded way more famous than. Then I looked them up later and I was like, I just, from their show, it's a credit to the way the show was. It just felt like they were a huge deal because like their timing was down. Their camaraderie on stage was good. Like a lot of people knew their words to their songs. I was like, oh shit, these guys are like a popping West Coast group. And then I looked them up later and it was like, oh, they seem like on on par with the fame of like G. Like they're not like the biggest thing yet. So yeah, but that's a lasting impression that. that you'll carry with you. And yeah. like it allows them to stand out in your mind next to the many other artists that you'll see throughout the year. Um, so that stuff's important. Yeah. Mandy, do you have any thoughts? Any, any takes from the show? Takeaways? Let's not do takes. Let's do takeaways. I just really enjoyed the show overall. And uh, the Korean rapping was really cool. The flow, Nafla. Oh, nice. Dude, I don't care if you rap in a different language. If you've got it down, it is so fun to listen to. And Nafla was legit. Yeah, Nafla had, uh, had this swag and this clothing uh <laughs> his whole style was like new york circa 2002 it was amazing he had baggy baggy jean shorts on that went down to like just above his ankles i don't know if you'd even call them if they were it was at that level where they might have been short pants or long shorts you don't really know um and a huge baggy shirt but like yeah he was and salim turned to me and he was like and I, I just like already had been thinking this this is what hip hop is like to the rest of the world. And it was really cool to be in North Carolina and have a Korean rapper on stage rapping mostly not English and people were vibing to it. And you realize like that's what it's like when most deaf is in Korea. It's the same thing or or many situations like that. So we're very excited. We do have a G interview today, which is awesome. G Yamazawa was here. Whoop whoop. Can we do some noises? Uh, he did that for himself that was awesome on stage he was making his own uh what are the, i don't know what that is even called i think it was the wild and out air the yeah. air horn thank yeah. you so we have his interview it was very long but i think very worth it uh so we have an interview with him for you to listen to first though i have to reference a tweet from this week that was about how everyone now you're listening to the song i forget the, what's king's the name of the song dead. king's dead from the black panther soundtrack thank you alex and it was it's the future line does anybody care to, do you want to do the impression? Can someone please do, Alex, can you please do it? I don't want to uh, do no, it. No, I'm not, I don't want to do the impression. What? I can't even get my voice to it. You heard that. <laughs> do that again, Ryan. la di da da slabomina. We've all heard this. And he's like, yeah. you know, this ruins the whole song every t- that's playing and you know it's coming. You know it's about I, to happen. Yeah. And it reminded me of, of a number of instances like this, but most notably, 
that we talked about on Twitter was the mm. Kanye West song, Father Stretch My Hands Part 1, where it's like, yeah. it sounds so good. Those first 10 to 15 seconds, I feel like I'm on the cloud nine, you know, I, cloud 10. I feel, yeah, I feel like I'm in a different dimension. And then, but, but you're not like fully in that dimension. No. Cause you're like, man, I know no, this is about to happen. After 15 at second 16, I remember, oh shit. He talks about bleached assholes yep. and I'm out. If I fuck this model. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even, even, it's was also a, just annoying rapping. Ryan, too. that was beautiful. Do you think that that yeah. sounded really I think if you did it, it would have sounded better. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, it also reminded me of a number of other instances like this. Uh, so, I, yeah, I wanted to throw some out there. I mean, I for me, I have the J. Cole Voluminati, I think is the name of the song, on the first, the first song of Born Sinner. And he's like mm. talking about faggots. And then he's like, so, you know, but that's just between you and whoever's dick it is. And then he's like, so just leave it at that. Wait, I'm just saying that to say how homophobic you are. It's like, yeah. wait, what? <laughs> Hold out. Yeah. What? And then and then he says it a few more times. And it's just like a bad comedy bit at like an open mic night. That's just he's just committed to it and he just goes downhill for the next like four lines. And I, I don't know if I've listened to that song in So are five these years. are these bar bad bars on songs that we like or just bad bars, period? No, no, things where like in the span of fifteen seconds you can ruin an entire song that is otherwise good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't recall how good this song actually is. I feel like it was a pretty big song back in the day, but it's fresh in my mind because I wrote a piece about race in America and there's this really funny chingy bar that I don't know if I chingy. Ch- chingy I don't know yeah. if anyone's even said it, ever said chingy bar chingy. before. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Chingy does he even bar. have bars? I guess they're just <laughs> words Remember on a that page. One chingy bar? Yeah. Um, do you know where I'm going with this? Okay. Uh, so. So he says, uh, to open the verse, he says, I like them black, white, Puerto Rican, or Haitian, like Japanese, Chinese, or even Asian. <laughs> and, Don't forget the ad lib. Don't forget the ad lib. And I, like, it, it's so, it, it's so, uh, like, American to have that kind of t- where you like can't discern between different races. You like don't know where certain like regions of the world are that are so. Yeah. Like you can't mess that up. Like how do you if you've been in like American education at any point like since age five, you've got to know like. So a more recent example of that for me is Migos. Most like Migos's first album, Culture. They did. Well, they had one song where they were talking about going to Thailand or somewhere and they used C-H-I-N-K, but they like shouted it out loud. And I was like, I was like, even, that's a little rough, y'all. It y'all wasn't even like part of the bar. It was just straight ad lib. Like, and, and that kind of that with, kind of makes it worse, too. It's like if you're if you're not even going to put it into a bar and it's just an ad lib, if if it's that bad and it can ruin a song, that's just like. Would that would that make you just that one word like you're like, yeah, I don't need this whole song now. Well, I guess it might not have been a song you really liked in the first place. I mean, it's a fun song to listen to, but I feel like that's the equivalent of the N word for Asians. So it's just like another race shouting out the N words. Not cool. So that's my take. I, I think also what you're saying about Chingy, it's like these like sometimes you I think they know. I don't sure. know. The issue was that Chingy didn't know that those things weren't Asian. It's like this rhymes, and literally no one is going to call me out for this because I'm Chingy, and they don't come to me for my like cultural yeah you know, insights. So you know what? I'm just going to rhyme Asian and Haitian, and I'm just going to name some Asian countries as exclusive to the word Asian. 
Yeah, I mean, and I guess that's kind of a comeback for the Migos, like, in a way to maybe they just didn't know or they just don't know and they're not using it in a negative sense, but... Which speak, yeah, I mean, I did see that that's true. Apparently, Eskimo is a word that like people shouldn't use. And somebody on Twitter was like, oh, I didn't know that. Won't use that word anymore. That's 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 not how Twitter works, Justin. I know, I know. I was blown away though. I was like, so how would somebody be so vulnerable on Twitter to say, like, like, I use that word and I'm not going to use it anymore because of my like self growth? Someone goes, we have hope after all. Thank you. Yeah. I will note that. And that's just how it goes. I like Medicine Man as a good example of this too. I don't know if you guys. May have not remembered this album because it was only available on Apple Music when it when Apple Music first debuted. But this is the Dr. Dre Compton album, and one of the most anticipated songs on it was this one that had Eminem, because I guess it had been I don't know. It's just always a big deal when it's Eminem and Dr. Dre, and the song is actually good. It sounds good, but I know he's going to be. There's this line where he's going to talk about oh how he makes even the bitches I rape come. And I'm like, the whole time I know that's coming. And this I'm is, just like, oh, God. This is, the this whole is, time I know that that is approaching. Dr. Dre. <laughs> Which one said it? Oh, that's that's an Eminem thing. Because it could totally could have so, been a Dr. Dre thing. I yeah, it could have been. And so it's just like, oh, my God. I just, it's like that to me. I just know it's going to happen later in the song. And so it's hard to even get excited. When like, you would expect that from like 2002 Eminem, but you would think at this point you he would know... Like, just, just move on from that type of material. It's just, he just, that's what he thinks people want from him, which a lot of people do, unfortunately. Alex, do you have any bad bars? Uh, no, man, I got, you only I, have good I bars. got a suggestion for somebody who's got really good bars, though. Have you ever heard of this guy, G. Amazawa? Oh, is this an intro to the interview? No, I was just, you know, it was a bit, but thanks <laughs> a lot, Ryan, for killing my vibe. I hate I you. I thought you were going to segue us. No, I don't, I don't, I actually, I, don't I yeah. <laughs> My segues are not planned. They yeah. are done uh, off the cuff. I literally just did one. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank, like Holland said, with that being said. Uh, yeah. Well, so that covers it. We've got our bad bars. I wish we had more lined up, but, you know. I mean, it, it could be a recurring set. We'll bring you bad bars every now and then. Don't you but worry about it. But it's not just it. about the bad bars. It's about, because there's a lot of songs that have bad bars. Well, it's yeah. bad when a song has, like, one bar that ruins the whole exactly. song. But you have to let... You have to give it some time to get more of those songs where it's completely ruined by one bar. Yeah. Whenever that happens, Super Empty's got your back. And yeah, we'll we'll let you know. We'll keep you updated. Tweet us. Tweet us also. This is a good this is a good one to I'd like some submissions if, if that could happen yeah. of some At, uh yeah. songs that are really good other than one line or two lines that yes. just destroy the whole thing. At Super Empty N C on Twitter. Join and the conversation. Instagram. All right. So with that covered, we've got G. Yamazawa. We did a cool interview with him because he's in town and we were graced with his presence. So that's coming up. It's and he has no bad bars. He has no bad bars. No bad questions in this interview either. Just good topics. So with that said, here's the G interview. You must be useless crying. Must be used to my lying. You must be used to denying. Well, we're glad to have G here. Not in the store this week. We're at we're at AU recording in the basement in our old original spot. Um, and last night we're still recovering because last night most of the crew here was at G's show with Dumbfounded in Chapel Hill. Um, first of all, I just wanted to ask you how that came about and how it felt to do a hometown show on a national tour. How did the how did, that, how did the cradle show come about? Yeah. Well, so I was on the, the right. West Coast leg of the tour. Oh, yeah, be close. And then um, 
and I actually what happened was is I got I had a potential pending date for UNC the mm -hmm. night before on the 13th and so when I saw the crate on the 14th it was just kind of a very serendipitous um, situation and so I um yeah it just made it happen it just made sense so they saw that or like you noticed that you hit him up say hey can I do like, yeah I told him be around yeah soon yeah as soon as he hit me with the the slots for the eight dates on the west coast um I was like I'll be in North Carolina it would be dope if I could hop on for that show that's well. amazing and, and so they moved you up in the lineup a little bit right because you're not usually yeah. performing so you, right before yeah well so for the first three dates it, I was the only support so it was just me and then oh, cool. and then dump so that was really cool and then Yox came on and then um Ted Park came on for the SoCal dates <clears throat> and so he opened and then I went up went up and then Yox and then dumb and then to last night they yeah, switched it up because like they had they respected you like they switched it up first like it was the day sheet was like <clears throat> isaac flame yox me nafla and then dumb and then when i got to the venue they were like yeah we're gonna we're gonna switch it up again. that's cool you know? that's so that cool. was that felt good and it was cool and it was um but yeah man the pressure changes i like going before cats though even if you're there homies and i like like making it really hard for people to you, you know like, I, I you know <laughs> What do you mean about doing the hometown show or a cat's cradle specifically? Any show like, oh, okay. um, yeah. Well, so the last time I saw you was like seven months ago, I would say at, um, I think the outdoor show at beats and bars mm -hmm. in Durham. And I don't know, speaking for some other people here might chime in, but I actually remember, uh, being a little bit surprised. Actually, I thought that North CAC's response was going to be a little bigger. Mm -hmm. Actually, maybe it felt different on stage, but I was like, all right, this is good. But I kind of expected the place to like fall out and mm -hmm. just freak out. Cause it was only, it was like two, three months old. So I thought that would be like the height of the mm -hmm. craziness for it. And last night was truly like insane. Uh, was it? For, for me, I don't know. Maybe it was where I was and who I was surrounded by. But I think it sounded like the whole venue was like screaming the chorus. Mm -hmm. um, so I just wanted to yeah, ask about how that song has, do you feel like it's gotten bigger as you've done it? And also, do you do it out of town shows? Like, do people care? Do people know it who are not in North Carolina? <laughs> no. Nah, like, if, if anyone knows me, though, they know it. Right. Um, and they love it. And it's it's really like actually not. I feel like it's more of a banger in your headphones and in your car or when you're working out more so than it is like live at a show at a show because at a show like, night. well, you know, it's like, a, well, last night it was special, of course, right, but right. like at a random show in Cincinnati and, you know, people are like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is great. And they're like the slaw. They're like, okay, Carolina barbecue, whatever. But the verse is, I think the verse is really strong, but it, yeah. it, other songs that I have, it's not, it doesn't have like hard punches where you drop the beat and everyone goes, oh, you know, it's kind of just Which like there a was cool a lot of last night. I was going to comment on that in general for everyone's yeah. sets. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It was cool. It was very much a lyrics uh, listening audience. Yep. yep. You had a lot of, you had a lot of moments like that too. I feel like Thank you. the show, but also punchlines in a true comedic sense. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask if you practice those, like your, your jokes are not like just a standard. Everyone talks in between songs. All mm -hmm. artists do that. Mm-hmm. But like stand up is almost like a part of your show, like mm -hmm. an element of it. It reminds me of seeing like Ninth and Fonte a long time ago at the Cradle, mm -hmm. and and comedy was like more a part of Fonte's set than like yeah. any Fonte's rapper amazing. I've ever seen before. He's just a really funny guy, mm -hmm. and all of your jokes last night just hit. And I know you you find ones that work, and then you you repeat them. Mm -hmm. Like I've heard the Hawaii story like fifteen times probably, <laughs> but <laughs> but like thanks. No, but that's yeah, it's yeah, an amazing yeah. story. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's your yeah. best one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, do you, do you like practice any of them or you just see what hits and sometimes it shows they literally don't land and you just, you a little just bit of both, a little bit of both. Mostly 
I, you know, I've been on stage a long time doing the, you know, these sets and they right. works and stuff doesn't. And, um, and then some things are like, you know, they're going to hit, like after doing it for a while, you like the, the year lyrics thing, like, you know, yeah. that, like that joke, like I knew that that was going to hit because it was just, it made sense. It was a special thing for that moment in that crowd. Right. And some things work just because of where you are and, and who you're talking to. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of trial and error. Is it ever serendipitous or usually there are things you've learned are good and you know they're going to hit? Like the thing last night, you were like, everyone has to move like eight mile. And everyone, that yeah. was like a funny thing. Yeah, Everybody's yeah, yeah, bouncing yeah, like yeah, eight yeah, mile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you get a certain sense of like timing and a certain sense of like wh what someone in the audience might be feeling like if they mm -hmm. were watching me. And also what <clears throat> I have on my side is that I'm not a comedian. Like I'm a rapper and a poet, so people aren't expecting to laugh. Yeah. People yeah. aren't expecting to be entertained in that way. So, you know, it's really hard to grab a crowd. Like it's hard to grab a seated crowd attention and engage them for a whole hour or whatever. Right. And it's even harder to do that with a, a live audience with music. You know, because people are partying, they're drinking, and they're having fun. And it's really difficult. So to get a whole, you know, 300, 400 people to just be with you on every word and other job, you know, as a special thing. I try my best to try to, to That's have as many I would have thought like it was that. the opposite. I always, so in my mind, a thing I wrote down to talk to you about for sure was mm -hmm. thinking that when you first were rapping and I was, oh, the, the, you had a sense of taste obviously and knew like what sounded good. I think a lot of people who are poets, they obviously know how to put words together, but sometimes get too in their head and like mm -hmm. it's too dense. It's like, you know, Talib Kweli, like on, on speed. Mm -hmm. And it's just too many words. And you just had a sense of like oh, doing. Oh, man, that's giving me all Talib on speed. <laughs> it's just what? like you, you had a sense of mainstream taste. And so what would work um, for everybody, not just like really, you know, intellectual mm -hmm. people. And but I, but I always figured that you were kind of had a leg up on another rapper because you knew how to perform people in total silence like mm -hmm. you in a mic stand as a poet mm -hmm. and you're saying that it's actually you think maybe harder to do the music thing i thought that they're in a situation where the music a lot of times at a show does 85 percent of the work you know how to do it with none of that backing and so so it's both yeah, so i do have a leg up on not being afraid of silence and not being afraid of of you know um being very intimate with people and vulnerable. Like I'm okay with messing up. I'm okay with mm -hmm. all of this stuff. <clears throat> but what the, the really difficult part is, is the doing, is becoming your song, is loving your music so much and, and knowing every nook and cranny of your song and, and that it, you know, that you're able to. And people don't feel that you've done it a million times. But that's also true of a poem because you have to learn how to do that. Exactly, too. yeah. But you know, with music, it's just like, you know, for example, like I'm not the jumping type. Like I'm not the like ah, I'll jump the water at people. You know, like I'm not a wild, <laughs> and I'm not a great dancer. So it's like, um, so for example, like what's good, you know, when it drops and I start jumping some more. Like I've learned to be able to commit. Mm. And in poetry, it's the same. Any performance is the same. Anything you love to do is the same. It's like really committing to that moment, and so. Yeah, man, I was jumping around, having a good time, and I like don't care if I look stupid or yeah, yeah. you know, and things like that. It translates. It doesn't. It didn't look like you're forcing yourself to do that. By really? The way. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> it's not like, Thank oh you. man, he's faking this. Well, now it's not. Now it's like yeah. I'm enjoying jumping, and I realize like, cause when I was doing it, I like I would jump a little bit, and I would feel the crowd start to jump with me, but because I stopped, they would stop. Right. And so as soon as I started really committing, like. The crowd would start jumping and going wild, and you, you know, it's the same age old thing of right, like right. they they're gonna give you whatever you give them, and it just keeps cycling. Well, so I got ahead, obviously talking about last night and the shows on this tour, but just going back a little bit, 
it's easy to forget, I think, that mm-hmm. it was not that long ago you just started doing like consistent shows, right? I mean, I feel mm-hmm. like it, I remember a tweet or an Instagram post or something about having booked a L.A. show, period. Yeah. That someone had put you on an L.A. show. L.A. rap gig. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't even know, remember what it was, but you were just like, I got a show in L.A. Yeah. On, on, on social media. Mm-hmm. And now you're on this, you've been on this tour with Dumbfounded, doing dates. Like, how am I wrong? How long ago was that that you, from when you went out to L.A., and started to actually get booked to do rap shows. Oh, uh, man. Because it wasn't that long ago. Honestly, I'm still not really. I probably could count on one hand the amount of shows, period, I've done in L.A., actually. Oh, really? Right, well, I guess poetry, something in West Poetry Coast, or but... rap. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, because I've been, because first of all, I'm gone so much on the road mm-hmm. gigging. And then also, I'm, I've been very selective about what I want to do in L.A. because it takes a lot of effort. Like, you got to really commit to the show. And it's difficult to, to pull a crowd in L.A., on any night of the week, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and it's like the level, you know, the expectance. There's a high expectancy in show. So I'm sorry. I'm trying. I want it to be the best show ever, and I want to yeah. make sure if I'm gonna headline my own show in L. A. Like, I, you know, so I think I'm getting closer and closer to potentially throwing my own little show in a 200 seater or something. Like okay. That. Yeah. Maybe I assume that there had been more just because you were at a level that you were put on something like this. But you know, like it, it's so different from like doing a show and getting asked to do for a show for an event. Uh, as opposed to building your own audience and selling tickets, bro. Like, yeah, yeah. like Dumb is selling his own tickets, and that's an, a really incredible and difficult task to do as an independent artist. Um, and so that's where I'm. That was a great realization for this tour. Was like, bro, I can't, I can't really sell tickets yet like that. You know, it's and yes, well, I think you did last night, but yeah, and, and you a mean few, in, yeah, you know, but it's like other cities, other cities, and. Any night of the week, like on a Tuesday night, are people gonna are people willing to pay twenty in Memphis? Pay twenty dollars, <laughs> get a babysitter, come out, you know, all of that. So definitely, what is the balance today between poetry? So because obviously you were supporting yourself with poetry, is that still the case? Yes, um, I think it's it's starting to get closer to fifty fifty. Okay, um, as far as um, income wise and and just general <clears throat> gigging wise. Um, yeah, creatively though, like I'm really still, I'm you know I'm trying to work on the next album. I'm like really hip hop heavy, still music heavy, and um, but the more I do poetry gigs these days, because it'll be like a you know 42 hour you know long set, mm-hmm. um, like I'm still doing these super old poems, man. Like they're really old. Man. I'm like, oh, the hits, shit. just the hits. You're like Bruce Springsteen out there, just like <laughs> nah, just knocking them out. I only got that's all I got. You know, so <laughs> You're like guys, sorry, I'm only writing raps now. <laughs> Is that the case? Or are you still well, writing poetry? Well, I don't poetry? feel guilty about it anymore because I am working and I am creating stuff. And it, and if you know, you know, and it's dope. And I'm 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 trying to grow in that realm. But what's been cool is that in the in the I'm getting older, so like my whole life philosophy is becoming more sound, and I'm starting to to be more firm in the things that I believe, and it's starting to actually build structure. And so the rhetoric and the banter around or between the poems themselves um, is is growing. And I can I can feel myself wanting to actually sit down, start scripting, like, like really, if I have an hour of time in front of any given audience, like what do I really, really want to leave people with? Because my early 20s, it was like, all right, well, I got these poems and I want to tell people about my life. And that's powerful enough mm-hmm. um, at that age. But as I'm getting older, I'm like, you know, I, I could say anything to people and young people, like young, diverse, progressive, vigorous young people, you know, so that's been really fun. And I'm actually looking forward to trying to start building pieces around that and, and starting to be able to do 
talks and go to keep going to schools and have there still be like a youth advocacy component to to what I do. If it's just rap, but still have advocacy component or like do poetry, continue to write new poetry yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even do like a hybrid thing. Do a show potentially. With a, potentially. With a mix. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, yeah, it's I'm. I want to fuse the two somehow at some point, some way, but I really am afraid of it being corny. So I'm just like, Did I you, don't want to, you know, I want to make sure that it's, it's done tastefully. Um, yeah. Do you, can you, is there a way, cause I know sometimes when you, this is just, I guess I haven't been on the mic yet. I should tell people <laughs> that, um, this is, this is Justin. You've heard my voice sometime before. Uh, when you do acapellas of some of your uh, tracks at shows, is that similar to what you could do uh, with your poetry? Just kind of like drop the beat and like go in for a couple minutes just on either acapella of tracks or poetry? I think so. Um, it's a little more difficult to get to the the heart of something with bars. Yeah, it is like because the, there's um the flow has got to be cohesive that everything's got it's all got to be there as far as what the the sonics of it is but um i was thinking about it actually though like if it, today i was kind of funny you were talking about this because i was thinking about what if i wrote a poem that was meant for a rap show like it didn't have to rhyme but it was such a strong like you know blah, 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 it doesn't have to rhyme but it's just a straight piece like 10 things about being at a live show and i kind of go through like a rule list of of you know, like yeah. certain things or I thought that would be like a cool concept and it would be something that you wouldn't get bored of. Like, yeah. and if I'm, if I'm keeping in mind the kind of audiences that would be in, you know, that would be performing in front of, like I could tailor it to it. So I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to just start to tailor things towards moments and crowds and, you know, things. And like it that. sounds like with the poetry you're talking about, not just writing poems but almost writing a set in the way that like a stand-up comedian would mm. um you know the, those pieces in between the actual poems themselves being mm -hmm. kind of their own not just like a way to transition but they're mm -hmm. their own part of the performance yeah you're kind of building a full um yeah a full set as opposed mm -hmm. to just like a collection of poems with some stuff in the middle there i mean that mm -hmm. I mean, we talked about your uh comedic approach to the the interludes at the show like that i think that would be really dope to have this blend of, of music of poetry of like stand-up comedy kind of all flowing mm -hmm. if, if you can make it work as a performer mm -hmm. he's worried about it being corny though like people being like oh he's slamming now uh, no not not that much i'm worried about like if yeah, i were out, man. oh no i could never oh, do wild and out oh, i could God. never do wild and out man i saw a little dickies i never want to watch that again it really is it bad yeah. I love the show, but I, I, yeah. But I, what I'm worried about is making a record that has poetry in it that would be really corny. You've seen it happen a lot, and it can come out all right, but it's you're never like whoa. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, would you say the closest thing that that comes to my mind would be things from To Pimp a Butterfly, where it was on a hip hop album, but no one really was like, oh, Kendrick's. I mean, no, people did definitely say this. But it was a, cr a certain crowd was like turned off to it and was like not having this like yeah, spoken well, word thing. That was a little satirical as well, and it was it what. But it, but it does still came out cool. Like no, most people didn't think that he's corny after that. They were he maintained his well, sense of cool through it. I thought the uh, he's still respected. Kendrick's after. kind of an anomaly, man, because that I've shit been told is, before not to bring up Kendrick on when this it show. comes back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like don't use him as an example for anything. That I mean, yeah. That's a good example. 
of when I should not bring him up. No, 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 no. <laughs> of it being a, a, an amazing way to, to include poetry into yeah, yeah. Um, a project. I mean, yeah. Especially because he's an anomaly. Yeah. Well, so I, I also... Oh, uh-huh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go for, well, I just wanted, in case, I mean, now it's like 20 minutes in, so if anybody was listening who doesn't know you, that's kind of weird. But for anyone who didn't, I just thought that we haven't really introduced, like, what you were doing before all this, like, at all, because uh-huh. you were obviously making a living off poetry, like I said. You have been in L.A. for a couple years. Before that, I remember you were in D.C., but also you never, to me, were, like, based in a place, because place, mm-hmm. you were touring, you were traveling so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just take us through a little bit those last few years in this transitional period where it was like three years ago, uh, you weren't even, I mean, you may have privately been taking rap seriously, but you were not seen Mm -hmm. as a rapper publicly. Mm -hmm. And a lot has changed in two to three years, I would say. Mm -hmm. So what has happened in that time in a quick synopsis? Well, what's happening is I've been like traveling the circuit so long, the poetry circuit, the poetry circuit so long that both the underground communal level and both the college circuit as well but that I've been doing that by myself so long that I've lost a lot of community in the sense of like a dependable sense like you know I'm not someone that you can just call and know I'll be somewhere yeah Yeah. and um um I have built this kind of like unicorn like feel where people feel close to me a lot of my loved ones feel close to me um, because I, I come through often and I pop up. And also social media gives us a sense right, of, I was gonna say, of even connection more so even when, you know, even if we're, we're not that close or whatever. But um, it's a good, it's a, I mean, it's everything is a gift and a curse, man. And so um, what's been cool is that the key in all of this is me being allowed back into Durham yeah. as an MC. Um, that was something you were concerned about, maybe? I don't even know if I was concerned, but I realized the the magnitude of it as things were developing, especially with Shasta Durham and NorCAC. And, and maybe me. even a little bit before that, potentially. Like, I, even Yamazawa EP. I well, don't know if you did so, some, like, but Rich I've been, was before I've been that. representing Durham on a national level in the poetry world for a long time. Right. And so on the poetry tip, like, that's not in question at all. But on some NC hip-hop shit, it's like, I'm a un, I'm a unknown outlier kind of kind of cat um, that over time has been thanks to Tune. Tune is a huge part of of pulling me in. Actually, Nevi, we were kicking it with Nevi last night. We were talking about that night when were you there too? When um, it was Tune's album release show in 2015, maybe January, and it was at 506, and it was Tune and Wells. Oh, and yeah. yes, Ace was, was in there. You were there too, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah, an amazing yeah. show. That yeah. was one of your first, probably big. That was one of my first kind of bigger. That's where you saw me, and then I did your show the next week. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that you know show particularly was like a huge, huge moment for me, where I really, really felt like I was in Hate Mile, bro. And I was like, oh my god. And people were. Going I thought that crazy. It, you were accepted pretty quickly. I don't know. Maybe it just feels that way from the outside. For you, it might have felt like it took longer, but it seemed mm-hmm. like people pretty quickly recognized that you were on a level to be taken seriously with yeah. everybody else, like within. Uh, I don't know if it was after the album had come out or whatever, but like you doing a show in Durham, hip hop, not poetry, was mm-hmm. like, oh shit, she's throwing a show. Mm-hmm. I think I was thinking of one at Pinhook, maybe. Yeah, that, that you was did. A great that was show. one of the first like something like big had happened away. for you. Oh, it was, it was a going, going away. away show. Yeah, yeah, and that was um, packed out. 
and that was all really like my people as well. But that Nevi was telling me like I asked him to DJ my set because I didn't have a DJ, and he didn't know who I was or anything. So he kind of just shrugged it off and was like, you know, well, he did have to do something. And he was like, well, Shazad can do it for you. And so and Shazad ended up doing it. And then he saw my set. He was like, within the first like 15 seconds, like he was like, oh, fuck. Like, I should, you know, it was like, and he's, since they showed me so much love, but, it, you know, that was a. Um, yeah, I met a lot of key people at that that moment. And since then, it's just been this each moment has opened up so many more. So. Yeah, no, I mean, just, sorry. Hey, everybody, it's Mandy. I have a quick question. <laughs> Mandy from the rundown. What's up? Hi. Um, no, just speaking about shows, so you're talking about, you know, where you first started, 506, and Cat's Cradle was last night at, um, you know, across the street, essentially, mm-hmm. sorry, essentially at, Cat, uh, you know, Big Venue. Mm-hmm. But I was just curious, like, you're mentioning Tune and Wells and this kind of stuff. What was it like for you to be on an all, essentially all Asian American bill mm. back home? Because I felt like it was really awesome yeah. being an Asian American audience. But, you know, West Coast and then you bring it back home and yeah. especially that stuff was pretty crazy. I mean, it's cra- it's amazing. It's like how uh, also right now, I don't know if you all familiar with this greatest Asian rapper uh, conversation that's going <laughs> oh on. I am so Only familiar. Only the Asian person knows. <laughs> yes. OK. Which one? The. The Instagram posted like I'm the greatest North Carolina five six Japanese American. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's I assume that was in reference to. Well, this. I posted the video and everything too, and it had a little little anecdote, but I you know deleted it. But what the fuck? Like we live in a time where there's this, there's even people who aren't Asian who are invested in that conversation and care and will. Speak We'll talk. We'll bring up China Mac, and we'll bring up Jen Gates, and we'll bring up Ace B, and um, and uh, and it's and it's crazy that to be a part, just to still be playing the game. So I've been playing it so long that like I've we've come to the time where there can be an all Asian bill of MCs playing at the cradle, and there'd be like four or five hundred people there. And, um, yeah, knowing the words, and mm-hmm. I was talking to him in the car on the way back. I was like, one, that was super cool to be there to see that and then also i was like i I was obviously the first time i've seen a show just straight asian hip-hop lineup Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't even know when i will see this again Mm -hmm. like it's not it doesn't happen every day Mm -hmm. hopefully not too far in the future future, but it's cool and it was like a a moment a lot of people knew the words and it meant a lot to them that you guys were there and you know one of the artists said i don't know if it was dumbfounded or someone one of the year the ox mcs but he was saying um representation matters Mm -hmm. and the show the whole tour isn't about the fact that it's so Asian. I know there's like one black artist, I believe that's done some dates, but mm-hmm. mostly Asian. But it's it's a it's not about everybody being Asian, but at the same time, it's very consciously knows that it's about mm-hmm. that everybody there is Asian. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, though, you've been part of this conversation for a long time. And I wanted to ask if you going to L.A. and your last couple of years in hip hop has at all have your thoughts on this or philosophy on any of this identity stuff shifted at all in the past couple of years now living in an area that has a lot more, I would say, you're surrounded by a lot more Asian people, I believe, than you did growing up in Durham. Uh, well, yeah. So, uh, r- moving into hip hop, particularly where it's more it's black centric, and then the questions of race get get raised a lot more and a lot um, more aggressively, if you will. Um, it's interesting because it's making me think of some other factors that that weren't that big of a deal in, in the poetry realm and mm. way of thinking. So, for example, um, uh, being from North Carolina, 
in LA is a, you know, what is it like? What is it? I, what, <laughs> what is, is it like? like? It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah, do people No, it's like people don't know what to expect. Like it might as well be Mississippi, right? It might as well be like Well, yes, but the thing is is like it's not a Atlanta. Yeah. You know, it's not a um no it's not a New Orleans. It's it's not yeah, it's a it's a small small town. Man. That happened last night with Dumbfounded where he said I not to hate on him, but he was just like why? He was like, "Oh, there's Latinos here, man. If y'all here, y'all are everywhere." I was like, what does that mean? Like maybe you would say, maybe it would make sense in like Vermont, but I, maybe. I it's like it just was funny because it, it speaks well, to your point. It was like people don't even realize that, mm-hmm. and it's like that's such an obvious part of the culture here is it's like very Latino in mm-hmm. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Well, another aspect is that thinking about my it more specifically like my Japanese identity, in a, in in if you're talking about Asian hip hop is um, a really interesting dynamic because of the like imperialistic history between japan and almost all asian countries mm. it's really like the white people of asia you know in a lot of ways and and it's and it's re- really like the america of asia in many ways also because historically the government and military is is has done atrocious things yeah but their pop culture is loved around the world deep deep sense of love for all kinds of aspects of japanese culture and things like that and so and then in American Asian American hip hop, like it's mostly Korean, um, also Filipino, yeah. Um, and you, it's very rare to see a Japanese MC, and and that's why also for this bill is amazing for me as a Japanese American artist. And you know, we're all we're part of a different generation. Like nobody's out here, like you know, really tripping. Trip, trip, but to me, no one I, that we talk to, to me, but yeah, people, people <laughs> are. To me, I feel it, and I and I know that deep down they can feel it as well. Who who's that? Uh, other Korean MCs or gotcha. artists um, whose families have been deeply affected by Japanese government and military and have um, really comp- complicated relationship with the whole culture. And, you know. That's interesting how you say because I think that way about Americans and Japanese people even still just like, you know, obviously it's a similar yeah. thing about 78, 70 years later mm-hmm. of still being like ex- accepted. Obviously this generation not having anything to do with mm-hmm. things that happened then but mm-hmm. yeah it's but it's such an internal you, conversation though it's right. like you know it's it's a very yeah it's unspoken yeah mm-hmm. i didn't know that about the japanese like relationship to these other oh, places man. but i mean so yeah J- japanese identity too is a big part of it but also you put the name of the place you're from obviously in your album and now i said on the last show uh it was funny that there were people in la like asian people from la being like go cop that shouts to durham like if it wasn't for you they very well may have never heard of a Durham in their entire life uh-huh. leading up to that or ever in their uh-huh. whole life. They could uh-huh. have been ignorant to Durham. So it's so uh, funny. There's so many people in Durham who may have never had a deep interaction with an Asian person if it weren't for me either. <laughs> <laughs> like growing up, like, yeah. I mean, that's what that's how I felt is like all of my homies were like, man, you the coolest Asian. I never it's met like, no other Asian it's person like how many in my Asian life. People, yeah. You know, and then because of that, they may have a completely different perspective of the entire Asian diaspora because it is one connection with one person. That's so wild. Yeah, it's a, it's a privilege. I think. Where? Yeah. Yeah, and it's a. I realize it's a privilege. It goes both ways. It's a privilege for me to have been able to have loving experiences with black communities, white communities, to have a black and white sensibility. Um, you know. Uh, Holland here. Do you? This is great. 
<laughs> it's like a, it's like we're at a Q and A for G on our own podcast. A book signing with G. Big fan. Yeah, Holland. I hear. Yeah, I'm I'm from Durham. With that being said, do you feel some sort of responsibility to represent Durham when you're in LA and some sort of, did you ever feel some sort of responsibility to represent Japanese people as a whole in Durham? Or did, were you, is, did you not think about it like that? I was thinking recently, like, I think a lot of it comes from my familial background where like when you're in school, when I was in school as a kid, like me getting bad grades or bad behavior, it wasn't, a, it was me, I was representing my parent my family and they were made it very clear that full they were very dis they were very strict because they were like dude you are representing us this is your your family you know it's much deeper than just you in this classroom and um lineage is uh, is something that's really important to me um and thinking about the generations and and the the people who come before you and the reason like all the things you inherit as you when you're born you know we're born with so much trauma and like triumph in many ways and already in our blood and, and who we are and um i try my best to acknowledge all of that as i move forward um in order to be able to you know to live in the best way possible and stuff so that you know i think that that's where it all comes from my love for durham my love and appreciation for my heritage um, the lineage of MCs from North Carolina, all of these things I'm very proud to be a, just a part of, you know. Um, yeah. Where would you say home is now, now that mm. you've been in so many places? I think, I mean... Um, well, I guess you're going to have to say Durham, but I mean, like, how comfortable does LA that, feel, basically? What's that like, Baldwin quote where he's like, perhaps home is not a place, but a irrevocable condition? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's that? I think about that a lot, you know, like, LA is where I probably can recharge the most. Because I'm like, all right, I'm here. This, you know, uh, and you feel you're there for a purpose. So when you're there, you're like, oh, I'm here to pursue my career. This is what I yes, we talked about I'm last here, week. On and this the show. is where I am in my life, and I'm 27, and I'm a, you know, I'm an artist, and you know, that's where I, I feel where I'm supposed to be is mm -hmm. LA right now. But when I'm home in in Durham, I'm like, man, I was driving here this morning, and granted, I might be like tired and hungover and kind of emotional. But I'm just like looking at the trees and the flowers and it's about to rain and I'm like, God, dude, like Durham makes me really think about life in a different way that that you that's different from anywhere else. And it and it it reminds me of the simplicity, like the power of sim simplicity, like simple people like, you know, so when people ask me what North Carolina is like, I'm like, bro, it's just simple, man. It's like simple living. It's just like good people. It's just about growing. It's about raising the next generation it's about falling in love it's about um communities about birthday parties like it's about you know it's about yeah showing to up movies. to the shoot at someone's backyard for what's good <laughs> yeah like, like stuff you know, like that it's uh and i was just getting i was getting i was like man like this place is really such a special place and um i think a lot of that is i keep close to my heart when i live in in la or i'm visiting tokyo or japan in, mm -hmm. or new york where i'm just like there's this very simple i'm a simple ass dude you know at heart now you're an intellectual uh -huh. but you're better at getting simple than a lot of intellectuals i think that's where Word. you connect with a lot of people i'll thank derm tech for that man <laughs> <laughs> i'm thanking derm tech for what keep that you it, can get keep simple? it simple man you know <laughs> Durham Tech takes <laughs> Durham Tech Durham takes intellectuals Durham. and spits out simple people. Oh man! <laughs> Holy shit! I hope we can get them as our sponsor for the show with that line. <laughs> this is uh, I was gonna make this tangent and then not make it, but now uh -huh. we're talking about Durham Tech. I uh -huh. do want to give a shout out 
I saw a longtime friend of mine, Adil, who you went to Jordan with. He said he went to Jordan with you. Oh, yeah. Um, he's this Pakistani captain. Yes. I went to Durham Tech with Yeah. But he was my entry point. When I went to Durham Tech, uh, I met him my first day of Spanish class, and he was how I met all my Middle Eastern friends mm-hmm. at Durham Tech. So while I was there, like I had... I grew up in, you know, white middle America. All my friends were Jewish. And then I went to Durham Tech and like only had Middle Eastern <laughs> friends because of this <laughs> one dude. So trippy, bro. And uh, and I hadn't seen him in years and I saw him at the show last night. And oh, he was we, there last night? He was there last oh. night, yeah, and we reconnected and uh, so just I, I wanted to throw that tidbit out there as like you were saying being your the Asian connection for a lot of people in yeah. Durham and mm-hmm. he was that for me for my Middle Eastern mm-hmm. friends. Um, and so Durham I think because it's so diverse there are probably a lot of people like that where it's like you meet this person for the first time and they're your gateway to this whole community you didn't know exists, but it's like very prominent. Same with the Latino community mm-hmm. here. It's very strong. You just need like kind of one person to mm-hmm. bring you along or show you the way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take, yeah, the Shouts liberty to, yeah, give a shout out. Durham Tech, Durham Tech was a, a, yeah, a very formative, formative, formative. It's called Durham Middle That's America. I'm so offended. Yeah, formative, yeah. <laughs> called North Carolina Middle America. No. <laughs> It's actually my Hannah's Hannah's dad called it a flyover state one time, and I was like, "No, that's not what a flyover state is. Come on." Yeah, exactly. Like, where are you going? This is the Middle East coast. Yeah, it's the Middle East coast. But on the, I just wanted to ask also about the um, the Japanese heritage aspect. If you or even Asia in general, like Mm -hmm. if what you were saying about all the dynamics from previous generations, if there's anyone you've met over the course of this like journey you're on, meeting people that were not Asian American, but not American Asians, mm-hmm. who like, at all talked about, I don't know, that you had conversations with that you felt like you got, I don't know, different perspectives than you'd had before, or no, you'd already had a lot of that worldliness from poetry. No, my pops music. is a big, you're talking about the whole Asian, the like conflict between past Not necessarily right, conflict, just like, just the difference between being an Asian American and being Asian from other parts of the world. And now that I've, in my, in my, you know, perspective, it just seems like you're going to be now and, and in the future getting even more opportunities to obviously, I don't know how recently you were in Japan, but like mm-hmm. you were in Korea and I feel like there's more of that in the future, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. in the rise. And then we were going to talk about 88 rising in general, mm-hmm. um, or 88 rising specifically. So if there's anyone that you kind of had met that was, that you had conversations with and changed your perspective at all on any of that, like those relationships, between Asian Americans and just Asians elsewhere around the world? Uh, not really, I guess. I don't know. Uh, okay. I well, was because, for something. because Americans are so, we're so into us. Yeah. You know, like, well, I don't care about Asians in other Asian countries. Like, I, like we try that to right get now, it here. That's how you were. Like, I mean, I'm kind of like that. Like, the heart of it is like that for all of us. Like, sure, we, sure, I'd love to go to Japan and tour. And that's something I'm, I'm making records in Japanese. I'm not neglecting that. I want to tour Asia. I I love all the acts that are coming out of Asia, honestly. I actually kind of fuck with A Day Rising and a lot of Asian rappers kinda of don't, you know. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. Quiet. They just don't like it. Um it's just it's the representation. Do you think they're taking it? I think there's a small sense of embarrassment where like we've been here for so long, rapping here for so long, and we're like pretty thorough cats out here. And that because of the power of media um, they put some good branding on it. And there's a phenomenon that these cats are rapping in Chinese and Asian. I mean, that's amazing, too. But that this is America's first Asian wave. Right. Is, is oh, that's offensive to people who've been doing it. I don't it. think it's offensive, and I don't think there's anything wrong. But I do think that there is... I don't know if cats would actually say it or not. But I, <laughs> yeah. I, 
I feel that myself. I'm just like, dang, like, you know, 88, I mean, it's dope, but it's like that y'all are love, you know, I mean, yeah, it's like, and it's, and it's not. They jumped on something that they like have really capitalized on a moment. Yes. For sure. And especially with Rich Chigga being the driver, right? This par- parody, yes, almost mockery feel of, of shit where you're just like, dang, like, I get it, like, cool, but wow, really, this kid? And it's, so, it's funny because it's like. There's the also meme the guy. meme guy, pink guy, which you might not even be on here. You might not even be on here. Yeah, yeah, oh, uh, okay. But he had the whole alter ego as pink guy. I heard, yeah, yeah. I heard about him. And uh, and I like that one song with the big fuzzy thing in the, yeah, in the, the empty in pool. pool. I was like, that is incredible art. Yeah. I mean, that shit is like, okay, so so you have all of these racialized components to shit, right? But then there's also like, is shit dope or not? <laughs> right. Like, and there's been a lot of stuff that people just like the sound of. For sure, you know, and there's and so there's there's it's a very nuanced conversation, but um, yeah, like and so for me, like, I, yeah, like I I could go to I pretty confident I could go to Japan right now, drop an album in Japanese and start making a living in Japan rapping, based on the 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 kind of pool I've I've built in in the states or whatever. Yeah, but like, because that gives you credibility there that you're doing music and shows yeah out but as soon as you go out there and you stop being American like yeah. you know it's gonna start <laughs> your card is taken away right? it's gonna slowly fade but I'm just like man like I want to make it here bro like I feel like my mission and purpose is in America like I'm not supposed to you know like I'm I'm like me as an Asian American is I think is just speaking to the beauty of America itself and so the I think I need to focus my energy here instead of instead of overseas yeah and a lot of that stuff too with 88 rising is like it's they they exploit and capitalize on a lot of the things i like the least about hip-hop personally mm. as far as the themes and like. like i mean higher brothers is like the biggest one of the biggest acts uh-huh. and you mentioned rich chega you know his first song what he was even his name was a parody mm-hmm. of of i don't want to say the worst parts of it but just aspects of hip-hop that were stereotypes of hip-hop mm-hmm. culture mm-hmm. And him being super braggadocious and violent when he's clearly not like that, mm-hmm. you know, and higher brothers, it's like all about bitches and money and all this stuff. And so it's like elevating the most stereotypical cartoonish aspects of hip hop. And that's what they're pushing. But then there's a point that I talked to Mandy about, about how uh, there's a sense. And I thought about it all night last night during the show about how Asian men in culture can never be like manly, like mm-hmm. macho figures, even not even macho even things I don't like, like misogynistic, just like mm-hmm. think, but but swaggery like that's not. There's a stereotype. They're stereotypical that they're that they are supposed to be polite and yeah, docile. The gesture you made, I wish y'all could have seen. That's that's why we should start recording this show. That was Hello Kitty. Hey, I didn't call it Hello Kitty. You did. (laughs) But you know what I mean, though. And it's just like the people are people are like it's weird because I see people breaking that stereotype, and I'm kind of like cool that you're breaking something. It's not really for me. I don't like that you're talking about. The bitches and money is not really for me in hip hop, but it's changing a narrative a little bit mm-hmm. that now there can be a more rounded out idea of what an Asian MC or Asian male celebrity well, can be like. Here's the where the conversation evolves into the greater picture of hip hop itself, because uh, now you're seeing like you have Rich Chigga, you have Dumbfounded, you have um, you know me Yox, these kind of cats, and then you have Kid Trunks, and you have. China Mac, and I don't know if y'all have heard of these cats, but these are some hood ass for real street. So they're not faking it. They grew up like, bruh, like China Mac is locked up right now. Like he's in and out of jail, you know. And these are cats that, you know, I, I've learned about through YouTube or on the gram. And I'm like, man, this is like, um, 
it's just speaking to like the the how expansive people's like humanity is really. But this you would elevate. This would prove the point I'm saying though that those those names aren't as big, or at least maybe I'm just ignorant. But those names aren't as big as Rich Chega, who's faking the violence. Those guys who are actually like. Asian men who defy the stereotype that Asians aren't from the hood are not as big, but maybe they're getting bigger. Well, I don't know. there's also a generational um, and East versus West Coast, you know, sonically, but like Rich Chigga clearly speaks the language of his generation that we don't speak. It's like not for us. You know what I mean? You're talking about 20 and below. Probably 18 and below even, or maybe 20, yeah. But yeah. like, I'm talking like 14, 15, 16, 17. This is the generation of Holland. All right. <laughs> okay. No, I was going to comment on the idea of China Mac not being as big as Rich Chick. I think that's not just true of Asian American rap music. I think that's true of pop culture in general, mm-hmm. that you have people that are living these things, artists that are carrying out things that are really truthful to them, and then you have pop culture commercializing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's true across across art. <laughs> Um, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And then there's a host of other people that are commercializing that sort of thing without living it. You know what I'm saying? It's not. Yeah. Well, it's like also hip hop is your you. Um, there's an idea that you have because gangster rap went pop. There's an idea that you have to be gangster in order to be loved and you all of this. But that's not true either, though. And And, and music is changing so much and you have from from Kanye to Drake to Kid Cudi to all, you know all of these influencers who've changed the scope and sound of hip-hop as a whole um uh yeah I mean honestly though I love all the conversations and I rarely get upset or jaded because it's like dude like oh, yes all the conversations are important all the all the conflicts all the issues are very important to talk about and be aware of but like bro I just like making music like that's just like bro i just like making shit like what the like and i i i care about the world so much like i care about people like there's a you know when when you see innocent people suffering like there's this like a uh, sense of anguish i think all of us feel and all of us have to find something to do with right and transform it into something and for me it's been creating stuff so whether it's you know a poem or a song like man like i'm so fortunate to have a outlet to get to to transform all all this confusion into um into something something that can be good well yeah anyway i mean that's part of what we were saying about the show was like yes um there was a contingent more asian people than i've ever seen at a hip-hop show who were loving it and knew all the words but also like a very diverse outside of that audience that was of all races that were like jamming into the music and it mm-hmm. just was Again, it like was kind of about the racial thing, but also what went totally beyond it and transcended it and mm-hmm. was like just a normal, that's what was so cool about it was it was like a just really live hip hop show mm-hmm. in Chapel Hill and just like from the West Coast. It was just cool. It was like a West Coast show dumbfounded. I would mm-hmm. say sold it out, but it was packed from the, mm-hmm. I would say two thirds of the way. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess you're in LA for the foreseeable future. You're gonna yeah. be there. You're not mm-hmm. coming back because you only come here just to think about the flowers and the trees, and <laughs> see everybody. Yeah. Do, do you selfishly feel like out there you get to just focus on what you need to do? And and when you, you're here, it's like there's a lot of, not that you avoid it, we but we all have our own things we like to do. And then in certain aspects of our life, we have our 
de- our duties and our obligations to people, and those all come back when you come back home, right? Uh, a little bit of both, but it's it's like I said, it's like a. It, I'm so grateful to be welcomed back and there to be people to have to check in with. Like, you know, like, <laughs> you come like, back, you're like, where is everybody? I could be hated. I could be like, you know, like, and things change quick. You know, like you never know. Like I, I you know, I, that's something that's difficult to deal with because there's a pressure of you um, needing to be available to yeah. a lot of people yeah. all the time for different, very different, unique things. And has, so, has that changed for you? Because you, again, like you said, we're already one of the more of the people you knew, probably most like global mm-hmm. traveling around kind of people mm-hmm. um, before all the music stuff happened. Mm-hmm. So. Has that changed at all as far as you're dealing with the pressures of being available for friends and stuff over the last couple of years? Um, or is it the same as it's been? Nah, yeah, it's intensified for sure in different ways with different people. And um, yeah, I think, it, I mean, it reminds you so much that just people are different and people think about things differently and people's perspective of, of, of things are different. And, you know, you have to really meet people where they are. Um, and if they can't meet you halfway, then. You have to let things go. Yeah, it and might not you, work out. You know, I can't be, I can't, um, yeah, I can't like go crazy over the smallest things. But um, yeah, but it's been it's been a lot of love and a lot of love pouring in from all over the world and uh, a lot of support. So yeah, no complaints. Have sure. you felt any pressure about, you know, being someone who had one thing that got way bigger than anything else you had done in, in North CAC and kind of, I mean, it's not on the the scale of like an Asher Roth, I love college kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know, but, where, but there's always going to be a shadow mm-hmm. for someone like that of like, am I ever going to do something that gets more hits than this? Of and, course. you know, you're, you're a, not quite that example, but yeah, like how you feel about having to make new stuff and thinking about, do you even care if something gets more hits than that? Or, you know, no, I'm putting that out of my mind. I'm just going to create. And if I have another big hit, whatever. It's always both, man. It's always everything. It's like back to saying, like, I'm just so happy I get to make shit. And I'm so appreciative that there are people willing to listen to it when it comes out. Um, and there's the, the the pressure of, like, fuck, like, oh, man, like, I want to, you know. Like, like, you see what's possible, yeah. and you're like, man. Yeah, you like, like that feeling, right? You know, um, of course you do. And, and, like, I've always had really really big goals, really big dreams. Um, you know, like I saw Usher when I was a kid in like the third row and when like Kanye was opening for him. And that was the moment where I was like, dude, like that's what I want to do, bro. Even if I'm like a backup dancer, like, I mean, like I'm trying to be on that stage, bro. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, how it'll unfold. I don't know if I'll go into teaching or if I'll go into and keep going into entertainment or, or community organizing or if I'll go back to school and, you know, who knows what will happen. But What would make you pivot to one of those things to, to change your direction? Because right now there's a lot of good momentum, it seems like, on this particular Yeah, thing. I definitely got it. I, w- I can't do it. <laughs> I wouldn't take a I wouldn't take an extreme left turn right I know, now. I, know, I, I would know. keep uh, going. Um, I don't know, man. It gets tiring sometimes because you don't know what's going to happen. And, and um, it's all me, 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 me all the time. And I'm in my head all the time. And I'm, um, you know, like I, I want to just, I want to keep learning, though, as much as right. I can. And school is, is a shadow for me where I'm like, man, I left community college, but I want to study like, I want to do peace studies and conflict resolution studies. You feel like your job right now is all out, mostly output, and you want more input as far as like you want to be taking more in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now you're just like pushing. But then as soon as I feel that way, I'm like, oh well, fucking, there's the internet, and I can (laughs) teach myself anything I want. Like I can learn anything, and I can reach out to people and get a unique, kind of specialized education from. I was gonna say a cool thing 
uh, on a different interview. So I heard the other day with Bomani Jones was talking about one thing with fame that he had come to like was that he got to like meet people that he he had to have access mm-hmm. to these people that he respected and, and could mm-hmm. learn from that he never would be able to talk to if mm-hmm. it wasn't for it. So it was like a cool kind of upside for him right. as much as that it made him feel better on the flip side of the people bothering him and mm. yeah, just all the right. shit that comes with being famous. Right, right, right. So have you had any experiences like that? People, I guess dumbfounded is someone like that who you got to meet through this. Yeah. Anyone else like that? Um, me. Yeah, this is where this where is flex, flex time. Well, the Jazzy uh, Jeff shout out. Jazzy, oh my God. Oh, yeah. We didn't even talk about so that. So Jazzy Jeff shouted me out on Twitter and like I hit him up and he, we had a sh- short, brief conversation and like we, it's just like, whoa, dude. Yeah, like, what the fuck? That's a good fuck? example. And he wants to help in any way he can. And it's like, I'm not going to ask him for shit, really. Yo, but, like, you know, I'm like. <laughs> You're like, yes, I'd like to meet Will Matter of fact, <laughs> yes. Um, and so, um, and shit like, and shit like, it's the cultural points, right? So, getting shouted out by Fonte on his oh, last album. Oh, yes. Like, you know, that is like, I could die happy, bro. Like, for real. Like, I grew up that album. Like, the listening's like. One of the most influential albums in my life. Fonte is one of my biggest influences. Yeah. And uh, began, like, the sense of pride I have in Durham. Started with Fonte. Started with Little Brother. Started with Knife One. Did you find out who, if there's a particular person who hipped him to you? Or it just... I think he just caught it on Twitter, bro, to be honest. I think when he saw it, because he retweeted it. So when he first retweeted it when it was going ham, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, oh, shit. So he retweeted it. And then... um. It's a weird world we live in right now where you're like, <laughs> yes, he know, clicked that I know, button. I know, I know. <laughs> it's like it took him half a second. <laughs> right. And then I, you know, got to meet him. And then, he, you know, it's been, it's been little moments here and there with Fonte particularly, though. But like... um. Yeah, the shout out itself was like on on record, man. Like that was you, crazy. You that was a very intentional. I'm sure you had it written down somewhere and had this. Yeah, that wasn't. Spur you know, I don't know if it, you know. Like, so let me see here. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Ninth. Okay, shout out to Jazzy Jeff. Okay, G. Yeah. So that that's amazing to me, and um, yeah, just trying to keep it moving, man. It's the the the, the cultural shit is is uh, invaluable, man. Well, I think that this is like. I just think you're handling it super awesome. It's really cool that like a lot of people get in their head. I think a lot of people are suited for this. Like I don't want to say celebrity. I know you're not a celebrity, but <laughs> yeah. suited for like getting more attention because it just they just want to make things and have people mm-hmm. see what they do. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's cool that you're thinking about the aspect that like it feels almost a little weird to you to not be doing more of the getting, learning, and mm-hmm. like you're worrying about you know right now your job is to just do you. Be dope. And that's, it sounds cool. It is cool. But then there's a part of it that's like, am I not, you know, Mm -hmm. connecting with Mm -hmm. other people in my Mm -hmm. life? So it's cool to hear you're doing that. Thanks, man. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any music announcements coming up? Anything we could little tease? I know you had the the song you put out, the freestyle video on the, I forget what song it was, but it was you on tour and you were in Korea. Oh, yeah, yeah. The crush on you. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was cool. Thank you. Um... I, you know, so I'm ready this summer to lock myself in a room and start banging shit out. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of doing you and just worrying about you. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm like need that time. And I literally am always on the road, bro. And so, um, uh, yeah, just want to, just want to knock shit out. I don't have anything slotted. I don't have any, any hard due dates right now. Um, I'm doing features here and there, um, (laughs) <laughs> little, little, <laughs> let it, the record show there was a little smirk 
uh, you know, you know, maybe a coolie high, maybe a coolie high thing. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, yikes, yikes, yikes. You know, I've never charged nobody for a feature before. Like, it, I, it's like a weird, really, maybe once I. That's amazing, yeah. Yeah, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a record with fucking Joe Schmo. Like, I'll, like, you know, the record has to be right, the timing has to be right, and, uh, and I'll do it if I love it. Like, 16 ain't nothing, right? And, um, maybe I'll get to a place where, like, it makes sense and people have a budget and they insist that I get paid and I'll, I'll accept it and whatever and I'm sure it'll grow but it's just so weird like I would I feel like a fuck yeah it's just like like this shit is not a this shit is not a piece of plastic you know what I mean like a verse is like my heart and soul bro like I can't it's hard to put a price tag on it to somebody that I wouldn't collaborate with anyways you know like I, that shit is weird um but who knows? Yeah, know, when I heard price. you on that little Dicky song, that was weird. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think that you would do that. <laughs> Rich Chicken and Giamazawa. Honestly, <laughs> I was going to ask him if there was anything you had to, that you had to turn down that was like... Oh, no. Nah, if he I, hit me up, not, I would, yeah, murder that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean, yeah, I didn't mean people hitting you up who are like whack and you just like ignore, but p- things that are actually like big opportunities that didn't suit you from a more like... Philosophical point of view mm-hmm. that you were like, no, mm-hmm. has that happened yet? No, hasn't. Oh. Hasn't. So and just I've... only good people have been hitting you up. <laughs> not, <laughs> not even. Um, no, like I, I'm curious. Yeah, I, I ask myself that a lot. Like, what, what's going to happen when um, 300 records is like? You know, we could really use a Japanese American <laughs> yeah, 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 rapper yeah. on a roster. You know, like what do I do? How do I approach it? And yeah. so, uh, but I think I'd be able to finesse it. Like I think I'd be able to just hold my own. Within this, because bro, because life is fucking crazy. Are you saying hold your own, like hold firm and not do it, or or accept it and oh, maintain do it yourself and, and maintain myself and murder the shit yeah. based on talent and philosophy? Like life is crazy. Like you don't have like gangster shit is, you know, gangster, but like, you, <laughs> like, like gangster shit has is very romanticized because mm-hmm. we grew up loving Scarface and we grew up loving violence and America is a very violent, heavy place. But crazy, what was that? Life is. I mean, you talking about love and hate, grief. You talking about jealousy. You talking about love. Like, I mean, these concepts. DJ envy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't mean to. You know. To make that trivial at all. No, you were on a really serious point. I apologize. <laughs> no, we need it. Honestly, we I wish I wish we had the room like like mics and just mic'd it up the conversation we was all having before this shit started. Like like it was a great interview, like, but um the, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> you know, like us just chiving it up, talking shit is yeah, like it would be great, yeah, maybe one day. We sh- y'all should do some sort of drunk you know, motherfuckers just start giving you ideas for your shit on your shit. <laughs> we could cut it now. Yeah, but you know, come on. Yeah. Doesn't Nori like have the um, joint where they take yeah, a shot? Yeah, the drunk drink champs. Yeah. Is that what cool. the kind of podcast you want to be on? More of a like drinking podcast? I be- <laughs> well, y'all are homies. So, you know, it's, it's yes, interviews are really dope. And this is great because I, I get to verbalize a lot of things that I feel, but um i also just love just talking shit man and just different perspectives on uh, hip-hop and music and life and shit like that so but anyways so you think just big just getting this clear yeah alcohol would be good 
And a little weed. And okay, a little weed. You know, a little yeah. Something. Well, we could always say the constructive criticism. This is, yeah. you know, we're, this is like the people coming up to dumbfound it on tour. Oh, I want to battle you. <laughs> That's what you're doing on our show now. <laughs> no, it's amazing. Thank you for coming. Thank, Thank you for giving you, us man. some of your time. Thank you so and so, much for also, everything. just to say, there's a show. You have one more show. Oh, yeah. Man, it's going to be crazy. I'm really looking forward to the show. I ain't going to lie. Like, dumb show, Cash Credit was amazing was really hyped for it but um this one coming up um it's just on it's on it's just definitely a different feel on some north carolina shit so coolie high album release party also because i fucking love this album this album yes. is so good i love your pick oh. i love your pick for favorite song it's like a that was a real album cut i felt that was a deep deep cut action was is an amazing song like there's a lot of really high higher energy songs you yeah. can go for but, but actually now a, voila is probably my favorite ooh. now oh. Oh, it's such a great His first verse that's just all sung is yes, so good. So good. And then Tab's verse is so good. I'm just like, oh, like, it's such a good <laughs> album. And so fucking, you're going to show up to the show and be like, wait, I have to do a set? I thought I was just yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought that's I was just going to listen. Like, I'm excited to go watch. Like, And that's the thing about Dumb, too, is I love I love watching him perform his catalog night in and night out. And as a fan, like, I'm really a fan. And, um, a fan of uh of Cooley, I'll be there in, in the building, and I'm gonna do my set, change my shirt, and then get in the crowd and just rock out, and have a good time. So and then you're out for a while. And I'll North be Carolina. gone for a while. I don't have um much in North Carolina from there. Well, I have Wilmington the next yes. day, and then I have me Fayetteville a little later, but things like that. I think oh, I'm man, doing. I don't know if it's you. confirmed yet, but I think I'm doing Packapalooza this year. Um, Whoa! So that should be dope too. But more details in the in the Somebody next coming months. All right, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yep. Best wishes yeah. on the time ahead. Nice. Peace. Peace. Well, that's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed G's insight and wisdom and all of his thoughts. Guys, are you excited for the Cooley High show? Alex, you're going to be there. I will not, unfortunately. Hell yeah, I'm very excited. Uh, it's a pretty big moment because it's. I didn't catch G last night. I wasn't able, you know, I was out of town. So I'm really lucky that I can catch him again opening for Cooley uh, for such a really dope album. It's very release. kind to come into town for two back to back yeah. weekends. Very nice of Yeah. Them. I mean it worked out real well for any fan of G and then especially for any fan of Cooley to catch him right before. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a fun night. And then the following evening, if you have time, Cat's Cradle, Joey Badass. But tonight at Cat's Cradle, it's gonna be Holland at Saba. You excited for that? Yeah, come catch me at Saba. And be in the crowd. <laughs> come catch him. Come catch him four days ago when you hear this. But anyways, yeah, our man Ruben designed that album yeah. cover, so we gotta have some RPN support out there. If you see Holland out there, tweet at Super Empty. Let us know you yeah. saw him. Yeah, you saw the pod man. So next week, I don't know who the guest is. I know that I'm not gonna be here. I'm not here next weekend. So I hope hope you guys figure it out. That's all I can it's say. Be the best show ever. You think you're just going to kick shit around and not even have a guest just like with you guys? We're going to have a guest and not tell you who it is. Wow. Yeah. That sounds kind of fun. I'm like everybody else. Mystery pod.
<laughs> Who's planning this? Who's gonna make this happen? See, I feel like you're losing the you know the glue that makes this happen. Prodman over there is gonna do some. Magic. We've been talking about it in the uh, group text that we have yeah. with the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, did you not know about that, Ryan? Oh, sorry. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a secret either. So, actually, I've changed my plans. I'm just going to stay in Texas. (laughs) (laughs) I actually just, it's a one-way ticket now. (laughs) Well, whenever I come back, whenever you let me back, I hope I can be back on the show sometime. And we'll see. All right. (laughs) Until next time, this is the Super Empty Podcast. Peace. Weekends here, so my weekends here Been working all week, I'm tired Clocking in and out my night to five Well, lately it feels like a night to nine But I gotta get it, mama told me if I really want it Then I gotta get it, so we're hitting the studio Just like it was a plan of fitness, really be on my job Take no breaks and no days off You hate on me like it's beneficial Bitch, niggas always hating when you better than Started hating, I'm still doing better than Hop in the bins and I just check it Lost my friends cause they all hate on me I don't wear fake jewelry cause I hate fun what I look like hanging with a full brownie You ain't lame, you max, you ain't get money Cause I'm an introvert these days I'm not going out and this I'm getting paid Better stay home and watch more About things I don't need to turn I don't got no time, no waste no time Get off my line